Hello and welcome to At The Pass. I'm your host Adam Vetterell, and this is a show about the Ottawa restaurant scene for the Ottawa restaurant scene. I hope you enjoy. Today my guest is Yannick Lassalle, chef de cuisine of Les Fougères. Hello Yannick. Hey, how's it going? Before we get started, I have a couple questions I want to ask you today, but I was wondering if you could give me um, the rundown of how you became the chef de cuisine of Les Fougères, because of all the other chefs that I've interviewed, I either know them personally, so I kind of know their story coming up, or I creep them online and I find out all <laughs> kinds of stuff. But you actually don't have a lot of stuff about you online. Uh, so just sort of give me give me your journey to being the chef of uh, such a great restaurant. So it, uh, it's all it all started in around 2011 when I um, started working at Les Fougères as uh, entremetier and then started moving up the line. And at some point, the sous chef uh, gave his demission. Uh, mm-hmm. is, that the, is that the word? Like, yeah. Did he, did he quit or, yeah, or yeah, gave exactly. his notice? Yeah, yeah his notice. Exactly. <laughs> so I went up to Chef Charles Part and said, you know, it could be a good opportunity for me to uh, maybe become a sous chef, get a little bit more responsibility. And around 2014... I became the sous chef. That was a, it was a position shared with another sous chef. And then 2015, they decided to uh, shut down and do a whole renovation of the restaurant. And at that point, they decided to switch up the the modeling of the uh, the brigade. Mm-hmm. So they decided to put uh, to get a chef de cuisine compared to two sous chefs. Yeah, and that's where it all started. Yeah, so before there was two sous chefs, exactly, and Chef Charles would have been running the kitchen, but he would have been cooking more day to day back then. And yeah, so uh, Charles, uh, Chef Charles, and Jennifer, his mm-hmm. uh, wife, two chefs, yeah. are taking care of the production. It's been about ten years now, mm-hmm. a huge uh, entreprise, and then uh, the restaurant side was run by the two sous chefs. And uh, when uh, we reopened with the new reno- renovations and stuff like that. A lot of responsibility came to me to mm-hmm. take care of the restaurant. They take care of production, and then we brainstorm together. Oh, that's awesome! So your whole your whole career has been in one restaurant. Uh, started off at La Ritzbois a little bit. Okay, yeah. Uh, when I finished school, and then uh, moved on to France, and oh, then right. uh, came back to uh, Les Fougères, and then left for California for a bit. Came back to Les Fougères, then left for New York for a bit, and then came back to Les Fougères. Awesome. So you're going to have to tell me where you worked when you went to those cities. Uh, France, I was still at Le Ritzbois. They okay. had uh, sent me off to uh, L'Escarbeille with uh, Chef Régis Douisset, so a one-star Michelin just outside of Paris. Spent okay. a few uh, few weeks there to learn and to see the markets and really get the uh, the feeling of uh, like uh, under-pressure cooking. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they have like a classic brigade and exactly, very yeah. intense. Yeah, uh, split shifts and, you know, long hours and yeah. the, the whole shebang. Yeah, that's crazy. Those split shifts, uh, it's that, that'll burn out anybody. <laughs> and uh, then came back and after a year at La Ritzbourg, just uh, moved on to uh, go and check uh, other things and landed at Les Fougères. Worked a little bit at uh, the casino and stuff like that, but that really didn't speak to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I started Les Fougères, worked around, got to uh, play around with some dishes, brainstorm with Chef Charles Part and Jennifer, with the sous chefs, in, uh, from the manager's side of uh, things, on the floor, in the kitchen. So I really found my place there. 
and with the garden uh, that's uh, fully grown in the middle of summer mm-hmm. and all the farmers and art- artisans around Chelsea really found my place there. Were you when you went to California? Were you working or? Yeah, so uh, worked for David Kinch, Chef David Kinch oh, at wow. Manresa yeah. for yeah. Uh, three uh, three months, and really learned about farm to table and uh, working with vegetables compared to protein. Yeah, yeah. And then in New York, where, where did you go? And then uh, when we closed uh, for the renovations, I left to go and work for Dan Barber. At uh, Blue Hill at Stone yeah, Barns. Yeah, so that's the one I saw on your Instagram. I didn't know if okay. you were working there or yeah. if you were just hanging out. Uh, hanging out, working there, and getting my uh, ass kicked. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I bet. Um, so of all those of all those experiences, which one do you think you bring into your cooking the most? Or is it a blend of all three? Or Yeah, I think it's a, it's a blend of all three. You know, you, you take what you really appreciate from every aspect and uh, you, there's some things that you doesn't really speak to you when you get in the kitchen and you just put it aside but you learn from it anyways mm-hmm. and it's uh, their kitchen that are really intense a uh, lot of uh, stress and at Le Fougere we try to keep that away you know it's it's all about having fun at the end of the day yeah I think I, I think at least I've noticed um, that the industry as a whole is kind of moving away from that really intense screaming at people uh, brigade system. And I think there's there's two reasons. One is just because with, with social media and stuff, calling out chefs has never been easier. No, and then the other reason, I think, is because there's in every city, the, like food is exploding, restaurants are, every city is getting more and more new restaurants and the, the competition for, for cooks has gotten so stiff. If you want to have good cooks in your mm-hmm. kitchen... You have to treat them with respect because if if you're screaming at them, they can easily find another job down the street, make yeah. the same money, cook equally good food, and not get yelled at or demeaned or whatever like that. Whereas I think at least my experience when I was first looking for a restaurant job in in Ottawa, there was only like four good restaurants. So if <laughs> if I didn't like it there, I didn't really have very many <laughs> other options. <laughs> But these days, the the industry, you know, it's getting nicer. There's a lot of uh, chefs that are open up restaurants like you, the philosophy is great. So people want to go and learn from you guys. Yeah. And yeah, I think overall it's a good thing. And yeah. I think that a big difference I notice with like North American chefs versus uh, European chefs is in Europe, you tell someone you're a chef and, and people respect that. People say that's like a, a good career and, and there's like honor in that. Whereas here I've had a lot of cooks tell me that they're, when they go home for Christmas or whatever, their family basically takes the attitude, when are you going to get a real job? Like, when, when is it going to change? And I think the restaurant owners uh, should take a lot of blame for that because the restaurants were run in such a poor way and and there was so little respect and the money wasn't good and, and everything about it was, it wasn't really a career before. And I think now the new generation of restaurant owners are sort of trying to shift it towards making it a career. So I when you switched from being like a cook to sous chef to chef de cuisine, did you find you had to make a big transition in how you approached a day at work in terms of, because now you're managing people. You're not just managing your station. You have to manage everyone's station for them. Did you find that was really difficult or did that come easy to you? Um, I grew up in sports. So uh, a, a lot of that leadership comes from there. Uh, just learning how to uh, let people express themselves, but at the same time to be strict about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I thought uh, I thought at first it was a little hard, you know. You get a little bit of uh, e- egocism. Is that a word? 
It's kind of weird, yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, you'll take it. <laughs> yeah. And then you just learn from from that, you know, it's not about uh, the ego, it's about, uh, you know, uh, sharing and caring and bringing the team together and to make it a a, a stronger a stronger bounding between all of us compared to just break them down and always yeah. yelling and I find for me personally I found when I used to like yell all the time and, and be stressed out all the time uh, I created an atmosphere in the kitchen where everyone was scared to do the next thing because they were yeah. scared it might be the wrong thing and as a result it just meant more work for me because people weren't solving problems because they if they weren't 100% sure that's the way I would solve it then they wouldn't want to do anything whereas if you just listen to people and trust that people will yeah, exactly. Use their brain and try to fix a problem. Then overall, there'll just be less problems for you to solve, and and the day just goes smoother, and and everyone's in a better mood. I kind of want to switch now to talk about gold medal plates because uh, that is definitely something that I I think I was there the year you won, uh, and uh, I just wanted to ask you about that experience and and tell me, especially the winning Ottawa was one thing, but then you went on to win. The, the whole thing, which is pretty rare. And and pretty rare for Ottawa. We have two chefs that have won the whole thing. So uh, just sort of walk us through that. What, what was that like? As you know, it's a great experience and it's a, it's a, it's a stressful competition, but um, we got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, Jamie Stunt called uh, the competition the Hunger Games for chefs. Yeah, no, <laughs> and it, it's, a, it's something challenging and... Um, what I loved about it is to uh, to share uh, to share a passion with different chefs around the region. That was the my most uh, my most fun uh, uh, throughout the competition. Uh, you you gotta you gotta work for it. You gotta tr- not train, but you gotta get there and you gotta be organized. Yeah, why do you think you got lucky? Oh, man, I, I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> it was a lucky year. The stars were aligned. I noticed. Didn't you have sea buckthorn as one of your ingredients? And that's something that I've seen you cook with before. So at least there was something you were familiar with. Yeah. Um, the regionals, the first year we got invited, we have uh, came in second and Brianna Kim won it all. That's right, yeah. Uh, the, the the judges said that there was some problems with our portioning of the fish. Mm-hmm. Our dish tasted good and, you know, there was some really good uh, techniques behind it. But the portioning-wise was one of our uh, mistakes. So the year coming, uh, they... We got reinvited because we were in second place, and then our regional dish we really based it on the ingredients from the garden, for a moment in time kind mm-hmm. of thing, and uh, it all worked out for us. And uh, when we went to the national, we had to switch the dish around a little bit because the ingredients weren't. Uh, and the moment had passed. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, and that's where the seed buck turn came around. Okay, One of the yeah. cooks uh, picked it off his grandmother's uh, bushes and. Just outside the uh, the restaurant, about uh, twenty kilometers away, and worked around with some uh, ingredients that were really in season, and try to kept it simple but surprising and bold, and at the same time, yeah, it's, it's I find competition cooking, which I'm terrible at, it's it's totally different from menu development. Your your yeah, no, goals are different. Your the, the way you got to think about approaching the dishes, and then on top of that, there's pressure involved. Where when I'm coming up with a menu item, there's never pressure. I just have I, fun. Yeah, and... it's just if I like an ingredient or I want to use a new technique or something, I just I just go for it. But in a competition, there's time pressure and there's you, there's people judging you, and so you're worried and you're trying to get in their heads and think like, oh, what does this person want to eat or whatever. <laughs> and it's just it's totally different. It's it's really interesting to see the kind of people 
that excel at it. Like obviously Mark Lapine is so good at it and just, he can figure it out like right away. Um, whereas like, I know for, for me personally, I just, I freeze up and I don't know what the hell to cook. I'll end up making macaroni and cheese. If you give me <laughs> some good macaroni and cheese, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned your cook who lives just down the street. That is something I wanted to ask you about. Do you find it hard to find cooks to, cause you guys are not anywhere near a city center. So where do they all come from? Do they commute? Um, one of our first questions we ask when we hire somebody is, do you have a car? Yeah. Because we're outside the city and there's not a, re a bus line coming to the restaurant. But uh, a lot of our coops come from uh, Gatineau side. Okay. Um, where they studied in Buckingham or mm -hmm. some of them come from Stécollégial and stuff like that or Cordon Bleu. But we do have troubles. For sure, uh, the industry is... Uh, I don't know if it's lacking of cooks. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think uh, with, uh, with a lot of restaurants getting open and, you know, cooks want to learn from different types of kitchens. And so they move and and it's a hard industry. So, you know, you, they'll jump in the industry and a year later, they're, they're not sure if they want to do that anymore. So it's, it's something to watch out for. That's yeah, for sure. lots of turnover. And yeah, then, exactly. So now, like every, I think every restaurant suffers from lots of turnover, but you guys have this added problem where you, you have to find somebody who has a driver's license and a car and, and willing to to commute to work. Whereas, you know, most, most m the cooks that work at North and Navy can walk to work if they have to. So it's, it's, yeah, it must be a totally different challenge. I don't envy that at all. <laughs> um, when it, the last time I ate, uh, your food, uh, I noticed a lot of the stuff, it reminded me a lot of the kind of food we cooked at Domus. It was very much like John Taylor's cooking and, And your chef, he seems a lot, even just kind of looks like John Taylor. It seems like they, they seem like cut from the same cloth for sure. Uh, so at Domus, it was famous for the way we came up with dishes. Was It was always ingredient driven. It was like John would go out and source the best possible product. And then the cooks would just get it in their hands and it would be like, what, what's on for tonight? And do, do you approach making your menu like that? Because I know you, you do focus a lot on local and regional stuff. Is that, is that your approach to making the menu or is it a little bit more uh, thought out beforehand? Um, we like to switch the menu around uh, quite a bit, mm -hmm. uh, but it, I think there's a little bit of thought going into it. And the, um, a lot of writing happens at home when I... Uh, when I chill with the girlfriend or would have yeah, a good yeah. glass of wine and just brainstorm around products or trying to work with the season, like you say, uh, spring's going to come around and we know we're going to get a, a lot of fiddleheads or uh, ramps or fiddleheads. Yeah, exactly. Fucking fiddleheads. <laughs> Nobody actually likes fiddleheads. That's, that's the truth. But you have to put it on your menu because yeah. it means spring is here. So everyone gets excited and then you eat it and you're like, uh, why are they so waxy? Yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah, so and cook hates the hates uh, yeah, cleaning them. They're it's, filthy. Yeah, <laughs> they come out of a swamp. Like, and then and then asparagus comes and it's like, all right, now it's spring. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I, so you do do you usually start with the ingredient and and your brain goes from there? Yeah, exactly. Just um, try to work with one. You want to work with one ingredient and then you you try to build a dish around that ingredient mm -hmm. with uh, uh, flavors that are gonna pair well or something that I remember having when I was young or, you know, a little technique that I learned from a trip out in uh, yeah. Morocco or whatever it is. One trend that I've noticed is, is like vegetable driven dishes. Uh, and, and that you, you staged or worked at the place that kind of was one of the epicenters of that, where you're at Blue Hill, where, you know, 
Dan Barber is famous for putting like ve- vegetable center dishes. Is that something you you really enjoy doing? Because I noticed there was a couple of them on your menu. They just I I guess what's fun is like that there's pressure taken off the idea that you have to put a protein with everything. That if you want to serve the asparagus, just serve the asparagus. You don't need to build it around like some entree. Have you switched your menu sort of in that direction, or or do you still try to keep it pretty like pretty standard with, for your guests? Um, it's a good question. You know, Gatno, it's um, it's hard to break that uh, that philosophy of people eating their meat, uh, starch, and vegetables. But teaching the clients and having an open kitchen, you know, you, you get to really bond with the with the clientele and explain to them our philosophy of working around vegetable forwarded um but it's a, it's a hard it's a hard subject you know it's a mm-hmm. we, we we'd love to uh to really focus on vegetables and have the protein in second hand but some people just come in and want them yeah they just want their meat and potatoes yeah exactly because you're outside of the city do you find do you sort of look to ottawa chefs as for inspiration or just to see what the trends are or, or do you look maybe to montreal or or do you just not really care about what anyone else is doing and just sort of go on do your own thing um you know it's it's always uh, nice to 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 follow the trend and to to go and eat and uh, meet chefs from uh, the, the city which i really appreciate and also montreal and uh, canadian chefs and i read a lot of uh, cookbooks i have a passion about cookbooks mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's a, we, uh, Chef Charles always try to, uh, have something a little different going on yeah. to keep our, our, our jewel, like he says, and not to, to follow like, uh, every chef's, uh, you know, uh, it's nice to, to follow your heart. Yeah. Yeah. To, 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 to do something that you want to do and to, to cook something that you appreciate eating. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's a, you know, you want to follow the trend and you want to be a, a part of that group, you know? Yeah. I find for me, I, you just can't help because this is what I'm interested in. This is my, my passion. So I'm always reading cookbooks and my whole social media is just a bunch of chefs and stuff. So I, I just notice like different trends seeping into my ideas. Like uh, I'll be coming up with a new dish and all of a sudden there'll be an ingredient in there that I probably would have never cooked with two years ago, but all of a sudden, yeah, sea buckthorn is what we mentioned. Like I, I can't get enough of this stuff and I, I want to put it on everything. And, but, but at the end of the day, it's still, there's still a way to keep your identity. There's still in a kitchen, you, you get so used to the space and you have your pantry and, and your vegetables that you like to cook with. And so it, you're always going to end up putting your spin on it. And I find all the chefs that I like, especially in Ottawa, they're very good at, you can tell they're riffing on a certain dish or, or a certain, you know, when uh, Jeremy Fox's book on vegetables came out and all of a sudden every chef has this like vegetable dish. And there is some chefs that I thought did such a great job of doing a vegetable for a dish, but, but totally putting their own spin on it. And then there was a couple others that I just saw and it was just a straight rip off. It was just like, this is the dish I saw in the book and now it's on my menu. And, and so I, I, but I kind of follow that like a sport. Like that's why I enjoy, you know, basically See, being like you use your imagination and have a brain and can accomplish something independent. And you are just a photocopier. Yeah. Uh, do, do you spend a lot of time doing that or am I just crazy? Uh, no, I, I'm the same way. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, there's some ideas on the, on menus and you, like you say, it's like, uh, this is a photocopy completely of this book, this page, but I don't think it's the right way to cook. You know, you got to do a little twist and 
it's okay to go and grab an idea, but you mm. know, you put your your little twist into it. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and so much of it there's the idea first, but then what separates good restaurants from bad restaurants, I think, is just the execution. Anybody can go and open a cookbook and follow a recipe and and I'm sure there's people who work for Shopify making delicious food at home doing the same thing. But the question is, does it come out of the kitchen the same every time? And and did you teach the cook how to season it properly? And is there a good system so it gets, you know, everything gets done properly the same way every time? And I think that's the hard part. That's the, the that's what not everyone can do is the same thing every day and execute every day. So consistently. Yeah. yeah, that's so. Yeah, anybody can look good on Instagram. So the Shopify guy can can put a thing, picture on Instagram and can look good, but that's not cooking. That's not being a chef. That's just no. being. It's all about what uh, the flavor, right? The seasoning, like you say at the end of the day, if your food tastes good, that's what counts. So one thing that comes up a lot when I so far, I've only done a handful of these so far, but the like a, a topic that comes up with a lot of the chefs is sort of the attitude of. So, quote unquote, the next generation of chefs. The, there seems to be this this idea. I don't even know where I stand on it, just for the record. But the idea that like the the new generation, they're not quite as intense. They're not quite as driven for excellence. Uh, that they have their head on other issues that maybe aren't about cooking. Have you have you noticed any of that, or is or maybe out in Chelsea that you get a different breed or something like that? Um, no, we we really see it to be honest. But there is some of them that are really. Uh, pushing the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of our cooks are leaving. One of him, uh, Julien Fournier, is leaving for Maimo ne- oh, really? in, the, in the next, uh, in April. So he's got a two-month stage at uh, Maimo in uh, Norway. Mm-hmm. And the other one is going to New York for Joël Robichon wow. for, uh, for, I think, a two-month stage or something. But, you know, you got to keep your hey, your feet on the ground, man. You, you Your head can't get... Uh, yeah, yeah, too big, too, too fast. Too big, yeah, too big, too fast. You got to learn your basis. And uh, but uh, we have a, a few other cooks that the ego is pretty high, and they're not really they're ready to put in all the work. And when it's there's a hard moment, you you see they they're losing their patience. And I don't know, it's a it's a tough uh, it's a tough uh, generation. That's yeah, I think. Well, part of it is because of what we talked about before. There's so many new restaurants opening that that they're just it just gets watered down like uh, the kind of cooks that would find themselves in a really good kitchen like Le Fougere you know 10 years ago just there there would have been so much competition for those spots that you would have only ended up with the, the most passionate the most intense the most whereas now every restaurant's hiring just basically anyone who, who will walk through the door with a resume and so you, you just see a broader spectrum of of work ethic I think is is sort of the bigger deal and and I think a lot of chefs are feeling that because they remember it's sort of in the transition right now. So they remember when they were working in that really intense kitchen and everybody was so committed and everybody was so obsessed with food and you basically didn't talk about anything but food. You didn't have any other interests, but you spent all your money at other restaurants when you weren't working. And and so just to see this new generation where they have like a bunch of other interests and, and they're, you know, they're, they have like a life outside of cooking and they have all this other stuff going on. It's just, it's like, another language basically you're staring at them like what what the hell <laughs> yeah what the hell why why are you not working in your cookbooks or writing recipes down instead of uh, playing video games and uh, yeah but all that to say there is there is like you said there is some awesome cooks uh still we, right now i have a, a young cook and she's about to move to france to uh which is going to kill me when she leaves <laughs> but uh 
but yeah, it's just, there, there's always great cooks coming through. You just have to, I guess maybe they're just fewer and far between because there's so many different yeah. spots and so many other options for them to work. So when you go out to eat, what's, what's the kind of restaurants that you go to? What, what are your favorite kind of restaurants to eat at? Uh, do you try to get away from the kind of food you cook or are you interested in the kind of food you cook to see how other people are doing it? Um, you know, it depends on the mood. It depends on the day. Uh, there's some really good restaurants. A lot of people ask me, what's your favorite restaurant in town? And I always answer, what do you feel like eating? Because there's so many good restaurants. Uh, on a cold winter night, you know, when you want to eat some very, very good pastas, a little bit of richness and very comforting, you go to Northern Navy. <laughs> Thanks for the plug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it, it all it all depends, uh, to be honest, yeah. Yeah, I, I found when I was younger, I always wanted to eat at, the at like, the, the highest-end restaurant. Uh, if I was going to, I wanted to see what Mark Lapine was doing at Atelier. And, and it's not like, I don't feel like doing that anymore. I still want to go. I, I keep trying to get reservations at Alice, but I, uh, with a daughter and no access to a babysitter, it gets harder and harder. <laughs> um but yeah, I also find like that my cravings are for like e- sort of easier food and 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 faster food. There's like a Burmese restaurant near my house that I really like to go to, um, just because it fills me up. It's not very expensive and it's super casual. My daughter can run. Around. I just I just find like my my priorities as a chef has changed. I'm not I'm not eating for research anymore. I'm eating just to get full now. <laughs> Oh man. Do you have two different, like when you go out, do you have two different styles that you go for? Like sometimes you're going to check out what somebody else is doing and other times you're just going to get full. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We got our, our fast food spots there. Uh, you know, Somerset, the foe. Yeah. Any time of the night or you, you want a good burger, you go to five guys. I love five guys burgers. <laughs> Are you the kind of chef that goes, that eats after work or, or no? Um, it depends on the day. Some days I'll finish around five and, uh, you know, we have a, we go home, we have a good glass of wine and we cook up some dinner, which mm-hmm. is really important as a chef to, to be able to, to cook at home for yourself, for the family and to, to just relax and to work new techniques and to taste and make sure that, you know, your seasoning is still on point. <laughs> yeah. But, I found it was hard for like, I was a line cook for a long time and a terrible home cook. And I find those two skills are not the same. Somebody who there, you can have the best line cook. Somebody could hold down a station in the busiest night and they go home and make garbage food because cooking in a restaurant, it's you're cooking parts of dishes and, and it's, it's like a working in a factory assembly line basically. Whereas, and, and I had to teach myself how to cook at home again, basically with, and I was, cause I used to cook a lot growing up, but probably pretty bad food to be honest. Whereas, so I had to take, take the things I learned at restaurants, how to season, how to, and then, but like roasting a chicken in a home oven yeah, is a totally different skill set, and, and all the equipment at home is way different and stuff. And I find it funny how many, how many 20 something line cooks, and it's not an insult to them. It's just a different skill set could probably not pull off a roast chicken dinner no, for their family. And you hear stories all the time and they say they, they tried it for their family. They want to cook for the mom and it was so complicated and it was way <laughs> harder. And you know, the, the burner sucked and, Stuff so yeah, I I find that really funny. It's like it's like two totally different skills that you have to learn. Yeah, but it's everyone expects you to know how to do it, so you have to learn it. If you if you're a line cook, you have to go home and force yourself to cook on your days off just so you don't embarrass yourself at some yeah, family it's, it's function. It's important to, to cook for the family and <laughs> yeah, 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 and learn how to make like four portions of something instead of <laughs> you know two hundred. <laughs> All right, well, 
I think I've asked you everything I want to ask you. So unless you have something else you want to say, or if you want to plug, you got a, a tell all novel coming out or something you want to plug? Uh, no, but I hear there's a really good restaurant opening up, uh, in the Glebe? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Am I allowed to talk about yeah, that? For or? Sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, my business partner and I um, recently signed a lease for the restaurant that used to be the Pomeroy House, uh, which uh, quite a while ago was Fratelli, and that's the restaurant we met at. Uh, I was working as a cook, and he was in the front of the house, and that's where we became friends in the first place. Uh, from there, we started a catering company, and uh, and then that grew, and finally, eventually, North and Navy. Um and so when the opportunity to grab that lease came up, we jumped on it. And so we're still working on a name, and we, but we do have the concept. It's going to be a more casual Italian restaurant, uh, something for the neighborhood, the people of the Glebe. Uh, and yeah, it's, we're really excited about it. It just feels so cool to get back into that space and see, uh, you know, the, my, my handwriting is still on the wall over the hooks. I wrote the name <laughs> of all the cooks and stuff. Like, I spend so many hours in that building. And so it's so cool to be back in there and, and we're, we can't wait to show everyone what we've got in mind for it. So that's awesome, really excited man. for it. Any, any dates? Uh, nothing yet because we, we the, so the contractors are just getting in and there's some problems with the roof. There was some water coming through the roof. So we don't want to commit to any dates until basically the contractors tell us it's okay. okay. Cause we're kind of, you know, in their hands for, for now, but uh, hopefully soon we'll be able to announce something a, a little more concrete once, uh, once some real construction gets going. That's great. Congratulations, man. Oh, thanks so much. I'm Looking really excited forward. about it. Great. Well, it was awesome talking to you and uh, and I hope you have a good service tonight. Well, thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to At The Pass. Don't forget to hit subscribe and leave a nice review and feel free to get in touch. My email is adam at northandnavy.com. Thank you.